Welcome to Stories and in Innovation in ALS. My name is Lisa Deegan, and I'm joined today with my co-host, McFinn LeVere. We're storytellers. We've both been affected by ALS. We helped found a nonprofit called Everything ALS, whose mission is to bring citizen-driven research along with data technology and science to help accelerate treatments for ALS. This podcast brings together stories of those affected and those helping to accelerate treatments for this devastating disease. Today's episode, Tragedy to Triumph, shares Lisa Deegan's story and journey with ALS as her younger brother lost his battle to ALS in 2018. Lisa, thank you for being here today. We are truly honored and appreciate you taking the time to share your story. We believe in the power of storytelling to help spread awareness on ALS and the need for effective treatments, good care, and a cure for this devastating disease. Now, let's get to your story, Lisa. So, I would like to ask you, what were the first signs that you noticed about your brother having ALS? Well, thanks for having me, McFinn. And um, some of the first things that um, showed up on my brother that were not quite right were weakness. And it was weakness in his left hand in particular. So my brother was in great shape. He went to the gym all the time and worked out. He used to skateboard with his dogs, very, you know, very active. And um, his hand, left hand, not his right at all. Um, he could walk fine. It was just the left hand. Started, you know, opening jars, using nail clippers, buttoning, all those types of things got harder and harder. So um, with that, he went to a, doc a doctor who led him to a neurologist that said, hmm, maybe this is a pinched nerve. So he went to physical therapy and then, um, through, as you know how it works, through um, process of elimination and a bunch of poking and prodding and tests, um, he was then diagnosed at Stanford um, here in Northern California with ALS. Did you know anything about ALS when you heard that your brother had it? Well, yeah, actually, ironically, um, when I lived in San Francisco, um, this was in the 90s, I attended a fundraiser for Lou Gehrig's disease. And that's what the fundraiser was called, Lou Gehrig's. Um, and um, I sat at a table and um, it, was a, it was an auction to raise money for this debilitating disease. And I had no idea how much, um, how familiar I would become with the disease um, in years to come. Um, but also we ironically had a family friend who was a firefighter and he was a longtime family friend of my parents. And he came down with a very aggressive bulbar, bulbar ALS and was gone in six months. And five out of six of the guys that he worked with that traveled around to different fire stations all came down with ALS. So wow. just saying there's something, you know, toxic or environmental that they all must have experienced to all come really? down. We had a fire chief the other night on our webinar who said that uh, he felt it was the foam that they were spraying, that there was some type of chemical in it. Mm -hmm. Very Probably. interesting. 
to hear Probably. about all these different people and the different ways that they get this ALS. Yeah. Yeah, there, yeah, it's a heterogeneous disease. So it can, you know, there's the familial piece, which is less than 10%. There's sporadic, which is most people over 90%. Um, and it, I think it's a, just a bad cocktail that of a lot of things that bring it on. And some jobs do have a higher mm -hmm. incidence of people coming down with ALS. So what, what did John do as his job? So he worked at Citrix Systems and um, in Santa Clara. So he was um, in sales and he worked with the technical team and, um, you know, selling software solutions. So um, he was very good at what he did, but he was not um, working around any toxins. Although I will say there was another guy who came down with ALS that he used to work with in another building. And so somebody had mentioned, you know, this other guy, maybe there, you know, there was some um, garbage that are um, chemicals that was disposed near their office. So he also took antibiotics for a month when he was a kid. I mean, there's so many things you could look at and go, was this maybe why? Was this maybe why? We'll never have the answers, but. Were you aware of your, of the stress level that your brother had in his life? Yeah, funny you ask that. You know, my brother probably did have a lot of stress in his life that could have contributed mm -hmm. um, to getting it. I mean, that's another thing. So again, we'll never really know, but he definitely had his share of stress for sure. Yeah. Well, it's it's good just to talk about it, you know, even yeah. if we if if we can't prove anything from your brother, it's these type of things like stress. Yeah, that people need to understand the power that stress has on their body. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm like, oh, I don't try not to stress because <laughs> I always and, have that fear, you know, having my brother come down with this. That, what yeah. was your level of stress, Lisa? What was the most stressful part of taking care of your brother? Um. Oh gosh, there were so many stresses, but let's see. I basically, I managed, he had eight caregivers that came and went. So I managed um, their schedules. I paid them. Um, I was HR when people had issues and problems. I had to do a lot of time on the phone talking about, you know, the stress they were experiencing and how it was hard to work with my brother sometimes because in the end, he really couldn't communicate and it was so difficult and so stressful. Um, you know, I, I was kind of the C CEO of his life. I did his finances. I did a couple years of his taxes. Um, you know, I helped pay his bills. Um, you know, I, I wanted to be kind of a buffer for my parents so they didn't have to go in and care. I mean, they were in their 80s, right? I didn't want them to have to go in and care for my brother. I wanted them to go and be parents and hang out with him and spend time with him, which they were able to do. So I took on a lot of those roles and um, it was stressful. It was really, it was, it was a black cloud that lived over my head of A, knowing my brother was going to die. B, um, the stress that we all incurred going through this as a family and see the pain of watching him suffer 
and all of us suffer was it was just um it was really a lot it was a really a lot and you know I had kids I was trying to get through um grade school at the time they were young and in and in junior high um so it was tough yeah it was really it was really stressful so I I guess I I survived <laughs> came um, through it <laughs> did you take off any time what was there anybody besides you who could step in well you know it was really the caregivers that stepped in and helped um so my, my we have another brother but he lived an hour and a half away so him and he was working full-time so him realistically to come and do the stuff that I was doing wasn't an option um and I didn't want my parents doing it so like I made all the funeral arrangements I did the celebration of life party although my brother made a beautiful video um, my other brother Mark did a beautiful video that took him so much time of my to show my brother's life and highlight it um, so that was a lot of work for him, but I, I pretty much did everything else and, um, yeah, it was, it was, so no, I just did it, you know, roll up your sleeves and, and get it done. Uh, you know, I don't, when, when you're dealt certain things, you just have two, two options. You can fold or you can get the job done. And I guess I'm a get the job done type of gal. Yeah. <laughs> so when how, how long was the whole journey for john i would say the whole journey was about four and a half years um you know and it was probably longer actually because he was probably having signs that he didn't even know because a lot of people don't even they don't i mean now we're so aware because we've been in this and we've been working with people that were very aware of little things that might happen early on but you know he probably had it for longer and his really progressed quite aggressively after he did um and not because of but they also thought well maybe it could be Lyme or he thought it could be Lyme because he was diagnosed with Lyme that he tried IVIG treatments that didn't work so um yeah I would say start to finish it was at least about five years which kind of falls into what they say two and a half to five years is the average was there but it was pretty progressive uh-huh were, were there any heavy metals in your in your brother's um situation yeah that's a good question i don't know i don't know he once he got diagnosed and stanford told him go home and get make yourself comfortable and get your affairs in order mm -hmm. i think after that he was kind of like i don't need the medical folks help i'm going to go home and make myself comfortable and just make my life what i you know there's not they didn't give him much hope they didn't talk about any potential clinical trials and i'm not knocking what was done i'm just sharing this is how it went down um so he didn't have a lot of hope he just went home and looked on his own and did try to keep his own spiritual hope and he went and saw john of god in brazil he um he tried stem cell treatments in southern california that were super expensive and from after those treatments, I will tell you, and I'm not saying anybody who does stem cell don't do it, his particular treatments, which who knows if it was some doctor just, you know, selling a bottle of hope, um, you know, and taking advantage of people who were, were desperate for a cure, he went downhill from there, just physically, just started losing everything, um, all his function. And um, it went pretty quickly from that point. 
Yeah. Well, the, 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 well, I was going to say the terror that it brought to your family, but the, actually, Lisa, tell me deeply, how did your parents deal with their son dying? You know, that's a good question. How does anybody deal with their son or their daughter losing? It's not the natural order to see your kid go before you. And my parents already lost a child that um, had a, a severe handicap. He was born with water on his brain. So um, he did end up living for quite some time, but doctors said he had six months and he was basically a vegetable. So he didn't know who, so it's, you know, it wasn't like losing my brother who they had grown with all these years, but they did lose another child. So to see them suffer again from that, um, yeah, it was pretty tough, but you know, I guess they're strong people. They had two other kids to keep going and to live for, which I always reminded, I'm still here. And they love our grand, my kids and my brother's kids. They, um, they love being grandparents. So I think that that gave them reasons to, you know, keep going and keep being strong. And my mom tells me that she still talks to my brother every day. She's very spiritual and very religious. She feels very connected. So when she loses something or she needs help, she asks my brother and he always delivers for her. So, um, so, you know, through her faith, she got through it. My dad, you know, I think it's, I think sometimes it's just too much for them to really, you know, face the reality that they won't see him again. So they just take each day as it comes. And I think that's all anybody can do is, you know, look in front of you. I have today. How am I doing? I'm okay. Keep chugging. So. Wow. You know, this is, um, this is something that I would never have wished on your family, but since yeah. it did come to you, yeah, I'm sure that it's changed your life in a way that has given you an education that you would have never gotten before. Mm -hmm. It probably gave you insight into your own personal life. Mm -hmm. And so what do you think that you have gained that you could share with the rest of the community that has ALS through everything ALS? What what is your gift that you're giving from yourself to all of these people who are tuning in to everything ALS? Well, I think one thing that I learned is really appreciate what you do have. Because I saw that with my brother, when everything keeps getting robbed, you're robbed of this, you're robbed of that, be thankful of what you do have. And I'll never forget being so thankful that he had the use of his thumb and he can still text. Mm. He could still text and couldn't talk. He couldn't move, but he could still communicate with us. And I was so thankful that that thumb could do that job because that led to us still being able to talk. So once he lost that, it was so difficult to, you know, cause the eye gaze for whatever reason, it didn't work for him. So I think, you know, being thankful for what you have is super important. And also life is very short, you know, live it the best way you can and surround yourself with people who 
enhance your life and, and don't take away from your, your spirit or, um, you know, your being of who you are, you know, surround yourself by people who are good for you, who build you up that you build up as well, you know, be the best person you can be and show up for others as well. Well, um, so, I, yeah. I know that you're up to that because I know that you, um, you became the co-founder of everything ALS Yes, is taking on a huge responsibility. And yeah, I feel like it's in honor of your brother, your mom and dad, and all of the people, since you personally know what kind of suffering can take place yeah. with the families. I'm just, I, I can't say enough, Lisa, that you would stick with everything ALS after having the devastation of having your brother die. It's almost like goodbye ALS. We never want to hear about you again. Yeah, I was definitely like, I didn't want to hear those three letters. Um, I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. And I met with Indu Navar in um, 2019 and we had a meeting at Starbucks and we both talked about our journeys and she had just lost her husband and it had been about a year for me. So I was like, okay, I can talk about this. And um, we talked about what was missing, you know, the need for um, good care was an issue. The fact that there needed to be more money put into research um, to find a cure, um, government funding. Um, there was too many gaps um, and silos that researchers were working on. There was no playbook for people once they got diagnosed, where do I go, what do I do? Um, we sat down and we talked about what are all of these gaps and issues that we wished we had when we were going through this. And sure. so together we just said, okay, let's, let's, you know, she had started the organization, hadn't done anything with it yet. And um, she kind of just built a team of, you know, people that wanted to help make a difference. So that's kind of how it all started. And, you know, it has been nice to, to continue to be my brother's voice because my brother was an advocate. So when he was alive, we met with Hillary Clinton and we talked about the need for funding and for more awareness around this disease. So some, some folks can help, um, you know, get some funds to find a cure for it and to build the awareness that this, there's a lot of people who suffer from this. So we did that. And we also did a walk and raised, you know, just under $20,000 um, for people, for, for the care and for research of people, you know, who suffer from ALS. So my brother, he wanted to help others. He would give the shirt off of his back to, to help. So he was very giving and he, you know, so this is what my brother would have done. Like if he were in your shoes, same thing. If he, if it reversed, he would be like, okay, that's it. I'm dedicating my life to being an advocate. He would have been the same way. So I'm continuing to be his voice in the fight for sure through my efforts at everything ALS. Wow. Well, you know what, that's a lot of effort and you do put in a lot of time. Mm -hmm. What could other people who are listening to us today, mm -hmm. what could they contribute to everything ALS are to you that would inspire you to keep sharing your life so freely? Well, we, you know, we have a, a, a study going on right now that's uh, IRB FDA um, approved. So the whole pro protocol is um, approved by the FDA, which is huge. 
And it's citizen-driven research, which just means it's for the people by the people. So anybody can partake in our research. You don't have to have ALS, but we do look for people with ALS or PALS um, with upper or lower motor, motor neuron disease. Um, we look for healthy people. Um, it, you just have to be 18 and over and living in the US. And so this is research that you could do from your own home. It's super simple. You plug it, plug in your computer, uh, laptop, smartphone, and you talk to an avatar. It's super simple. And people love our avatar, Tina. Um, they love talking to her. And it's, it's easy. You ask questions. You read things aloud. I, I do the study. And it takes about five to 10 minutes. You know, for some who struggle to talk, it takes a little bit longer, but we're, we're looking for biomarkers, which are so needed in ALS right now. And they would be digital biomarkers because this is done through using AI technology and machine learning. We're gathering data from voice and facial, um, facial metrics, you know, speech, swallowing, seeing how your face, your muscles move. And, and we're looking for early detection of ALS from these biomarkers and a more accurate prognosis of the disease. So that, that's the goal. And hopefully we'll be able to share some results soon that we are, we are seeing significant um, signs that are gonna help us with our goal, reach our goal. So um, it's good, this, this study has been great and we have a thousand participants we're looking for and we're almost there. So anybody interested in our study, you just have to go to everythingals.org forward slash research and get involved. And it's towards a great cause and it, it gives 10 minutes of your time. You don't have to drive anywhere. It's um, super user-friendly and um, we have a great team that's here to help if you have any issues or problems, so. Lisa, how's your family? um dealing with you being so dedicated to everything als and you being a mom it's like is there is is it yeah. lopsided or are you doing good at balancing out your family life i'm working i'm now working on balancing um you know my my family worries um they they worry because they see you know i i do get stressed because i do put a lot of time into this and you know, as my kids say, you're always on a call or you're always on the computer or you're always on the phone, you're always on a Zoom. And, but I, I do try to be for, around for them when they need me for sure. I mean, I'm a mom first, but my kids are teens. And so they are, um, they are young adults. They can manage things on their own, but I, I still, I'm still here for them, but they, they do see, I mean, I work a lot. So I'm trying to, find more balance and um, yeah, I'm looking for consulting work too, <laughs> to help support my family. Sure. So well, for your children to see you be so dedicated to our organization, I think it's gonna give them an insight to humanity. And, yeah. you know, we, we all are busy. We can say yeah. that we're really busy, yeah. but we all do have that special time that we can donate to the cause, whatever it might be, the, the food bank, the homeless, for you and I, it's everything ALS, but it's really an honor to be, to have the time to give. And so I think that the people who come to our organization, especially to our webinars, 
that they're finding that there is something that they can actually do to help. Yeah. It's, it's really when they're inspired by what we're doing, I think that just inspires them to know they're not helpless. You know, I, I kind of felt a little helpless when I had ALS, but I really wasn't that that was a false flag. It was none of us are truly helpless as long as we can breathe. Well, part of what we wanted to do with everything ALS when this started was, you know, give people, like I said, what what we didn't have. We want to provide that for them. So if I would have known, wow, there's this webinar that my brother and I and anyone in our family, we can join. It's only twice, twice a month. Um, they provide like amazing information. Oh, my gosh. Expert neurologists and researchers that there's no way on earth I would be able to get in touch with, get an appointment with, but man, I can just plug into this webinar and, and hear what's going on in the latest research, what the neurologists are up to now in ALS. And after all that amazing information, oh my gosh, there's a community of, of like-minded people and people going through the same things I'm going through. Maybe they can give me some information. Maybe I have some tips I can share. I mean, there it's, that would have, I think, been a game changer. And just from being involved with this and all the amazing people that I've met that work for other organizations or are just on their own doing their own ALS advocacy work, meeting the doctors, the researchers, all the professionals, the technologists who are helping to make this happen. I'm so inspired by the amazing people that work so, so hard and are so dedicated and Indu, you know, who's running this ship. I mean, just the efforts that these people are putting into this and pouring their heart and soul. I'm so inspired that it, you know, that motivates me. It's nice to have, to be doing good in this world and to, to try to make a difference and help to improve people's lives in whatever way, shape or form we can. And I also think through our webinars, it's a place that empowers people on how they can help, or it empowers them with information, or it empowers them by just knowing they're not alone. So there's lots of things that that we bring. And like I said, I just wish, you know, we had that when we were going through it, I think it would have been a game changer, because there's a there's an amazing, amazing community out there of people. And it, it takes a village. It really, nobody can do this on their own. It takes a village and collaborating and working together. So important. Well, Lisa, your job at Everything ALS, working with the media and get, getting all the speakers. I mean, you, thank you, Lisa. I mean, from, from the bottom of my heart, it's like each one of us has a little part, but your part seems to be um, a little consuming. It's like for you to keep these webinars popping up and these guests showing up with a smile on their face, glad to be there. Yeah. I mean, thank you, Lisa. Yeah. It's and our new podcast now. So that's been really exciting to oh. get speakers for that as well. We, as you know, talked to Dr. Bedlack and we have um, Merit coming soon. So I'm so excited about that. So well, Kovich from MGH. That's going to be exciting. So, um, yeah, we have some great guests. So I just look forward to um, getting great, more great interviews in and people for you and I to connect with. So I enjoy it. 
Well, that's, you know, all of the people who are at home watching this today, mm -hmm. I just want to give a shout out that show up at our webinar and see your extended family. You know, all those little boxes there on the web, there's a person right next to you. You could even reach out and, you know, emotionally touch them. So I think everything ALS has brought a, a new light to ALS and to all of the people who are involved, because as you say, if you have ALS, your family basically has ALS. Mm -hmm. So to all of us, to all of you who need help, we are dedicated. We have a mission. We're not going to give up. We see the light at the end of the tunnel. And you know what that light is made out of? It's made out of love because it's the only reason that we're here today is that we love the people who have passed away, who we knew, and all of the people that we're meeting, each one of you is a sacred being. And we are here to do our best to let you know that you have help and support no matter what stage you're at with ALS, we're here to be of service. There's power in community and feeling not alone. And there's nothing more than being around the people who are going through it and the people who have lived it like us. There, it's just an unspoken thing that you've been there. And um, we, we all understand because we've been there. That's right. And that's pretty powerful. Well, experience is education. And all of us have ALS. I, well, I, I would say, we are ALS scholars and, and advocates, and we uh, sweep the floor and do whatever needs to be done. That was my line. Lisa, okay. what do you do? I don't know. I take out the trash. I sweep the floor. That's right, people. This I is, just get, get stuff done. That's right. And so the basics are, we're here for you. We know that you're here for us. We know that you'll ask if you need help. And we always need help. So show up, come to our webinars and say hi to Lisa and McFinn and, and the rest of our family and become part of it. Lisa, thank you for your time today. Thank you for everything you do for our organization. And I wanna say a big shout out to your two kids. They are supporting you. They are really, you know, Lisa, being a mom is full time. Yeah. Being part of everything ALS, we try to make it not full time, but actually it ends up being full time because we think about it a lot. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm so, I'm so lucky that I have good kids and they're good kids because they have good hearts. That's it. And, and that's, that was so important to me to raise children who have good hearts and are good people. So I, my cup is full on that. Well, your cup of tea is a cup of tea. <laughs> a cold cup water. of coffee. What is All this? Right. Hot coffee, all... cool mom. Hot yes. coffee, cool mom. Cheers. Uh -huh. <laughs> a toast to our toast to Brother McFinn. All right. And Sister Lisa, and to all of you who are watching today, we're really happy go lucky folks who found a great mission and we got a lot of passion and we're yeah. here to share it with you. And we like to have fun. Let's, let's, you know, we're all business, but let's face it. We, when our team got together 
And McFinn, I gotta say, you are king of fun. We'll just leave it at that. Well, and we appreciate some good fun too. Work hard, that, play hard. That's right. And keep it laughing, folks, because laughter is medicine. Thank you that, for joining us in our journey of exploration and digging deep into the souls of those affected by ALS and those working tirelessly to help put an end to this devastating disease. Your stories and work matter so much to us and to so many. Keep sharing and continuing to help further the research in ALS so we don't have to see another person suffer. Are you a researcher, neurologist, pharma or biotech company working in the ALS space? If so, we would love to hear from you. For more information, please visit everythingals.org or you can contact us at info at everythingals.org. Thank you.